This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. Questions like, why does everyone love to Haiti Dinah? How does Minnesota have so many Fortune 500 companies? What's the story behind Minnesota Nice? We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. And this week, we're tackling a question that many readers have submitted to us here at the Star Tribune. And that is, how did the Twin Cities become a hub for Somali immigrants? Right now, we'll hear from one of those readers, Eric Borg. I had just had a delicious meal at a Somali restaurant in Harlem in New York, where I was living at the time. And I had a friend from Minnesota who came to visit. We went to school at the University of Minnesota in and around the Somali migrant population that was sort of part of our college experience. And it just kind of got me thinking and remembering about my time in college and being in Minneapolis and, and being around this really vibrant Somali population and just never really knowing how that came to be, I guess. You know, you think of Somalia in Africa and you think of Minnesota in, you know, like, landlocked northern sort of tundra, and um, they don't necessarily seem like the most natural places to connect. It's kind of cool that they did, and I was just curious how that happened. I'm here with my colleague, Maya Rao, who covers race and immigration for the paper. Maya, um, you know, this is an issue that has attracted a lot of attention uh, and uh, probably even more attention now than in the past, given some of the statements from the president and uh, our congresswoman, Ilhan Omar, on the national stage. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's go back in time to the 1990s. Um, what what sort of started all this and what was, you know, what started the exodus from Somalia? What were some of the contributing factors there? Well, in 1991, the dictator of Somalia was ousted when the capital of Mogadishu was captured by militias and there was a lot of conflict. A number of people died of starvation from violence and disease. And eventually the UN and the US intervened. A number of Somalis began fleeing to Kenya and Ethiopia to seek refuge. And eventually a large number began coming to the US as refugees. Okay. And so, you know, is it, did they come right to Minnesota or is there some divisions here? I mean, what was the, how did they get to, how did they get to Minnesota? Well, there were two different tracks for people to get to Minnesota. So there was a lot of people that initially started off in other states that came to New York, California, or Texas. And, you know, of course, places that are more racially diverse and more populated, perhaps a more obvious choice to settle down in. But uh, word began to spread about some meatpacking jobs in rural Minnesota, particularly Marshall. And for refugees that had just arrived, jobs were their number one concern. And so a number began to come here just for the economic opportunity. And they found found uh, Minnesota to be a very welcoming place, and they began to spread the word to friends uh, and family members who were not only um, living in other states in the U.S., but who were still in refugee camps in East Africa. So the people who came from other states, they were considered secondary refugee arrivals. Uh, but there was another group, the primary refugee arrivals, and they came directly to Minnesota from abroad. This was their first stop. And so a lot of that was also coordinated by voluntary agencies like Lutheran Social Services and Catholic Charities because they'd had a lot of success in resettling Hmong refugees after the Vietnam War in the 70s and 80s. And so Minnesota had a track record there. 
And we actually have some audio from a man named Abdi Salam Adam, who spoke with the Minnesota Historical Society about some of how this word trickled back to the refugee camps about Minnesota. So what happened was um, when the people in the refugee camps heard about the, uh, the early arrivals came here and they were well received, they reported back to their relatives that this place welcomes you and you can find job, you can find school. And so that's how the word spread. And Somalis are oral society, as we know. People, you know, things spread uh, by word of mouth. Then people started coming right in the refugee camps. They knew about Minneapolis and Paul, names of places. So this attracted uh, more Somalis to come. And then people in other states like myself also started moving. Right now, this has become probably only more of a national conversation, but you've been covering this for a number of years. There is the the issue of how they got here, but perhaps some of the attention around this has also been about the backlash to this group. You went to St. Cloud a number of years ago where there's a large Somali population, and you wrote about the tensions there. I mean, speak a little bit about what's been going on here in Minnesota um, in regard to some of that backlash. Back in early 2015, there were a lot of issues that high school students were reporting uh, who were of Somali descent, and they were talking about being taunted for their Muslim faith, you know, or being spat on while they prayed at school and being bullied. You know, one girl was called ISIS, and uh, students were saying that they were trying to talk to the high school administration to get them to kind of discipline people who were bullying them and to just be able to go to school in peace. And this was at St. Cloud Tech High. Uh, At one point, I mean, dozens of students just walked out of the school. And so that was just an example of young people really getting frustrated at at not being able to just go about their lives, that there were they were a very visible, a very visibly different kind of immigrant in a mostly white town. Mm And, you know, one thing that is probably important to note here is that we, when we talk about immigration, often the discussion is about undocumented immigrants. But this group is a little different. Most of these, uh, most of the diaspora are citizens. You know, and why is that? And or like, how did that come to be? And how has that changed their trajectory here, do you think, in, in the United States versus other immigrant groups? Right. So they came as refugees, meaning that they were screened and approved to be here well, when they were still living abroad. And they came here with full legal approval and had a pathway to citizenship. Whereas the asylum seekers that we're seeing on the news now pouring in at the Mexican border from Central America, they they have to meet the same definition of persecution as the Somali refugees, but they're trying to do it when they, you know, come to the border and apply within the U.S. And so that is also a legal pathway, but that's that's more controversial because the Trump administration is accusing them of abusing this process mm-hmm. and just using it to get away into the U.S. with no intention of really showing up for a court date. You know, mm-hmm. once they're in, they can do whatever. But Somali refugees came here through this very different means. So they've had a couple decades now to build families, to start businesses and to you know have new generations who have more opportunity and more opportunity to go to pursue higher education. And in the last nearly decade, we've seen more Somali Americans working to pursue political power at the municipal level, at the state house, and now most visibly with Ilhan Omar in Congress. Mm-hmm. 
And so here we are in 2019. Uh, the president was here recently uh, and, and has sort of brought up the issue of both Ilhan Omar and I, I believe also the diaspora. Why is uh, in this current, current climate of immigration and, and the immigration discussion, um, why have Somali, the, the Somali diaspora taken on, especially given that they're legal immigrants, I suppose, why have they taken on this sort of uh, you know, large role in that conversation, do you think? And particularly, I guess, Ilhan and, and some of the criticism from uh, the White House against her. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with being Muslim. Muslim and being associated with negative stereotypes of terrorism, especially since we've had some terrorism cases here in Minnesota, and just visibly looking different, wearing a hijab and traditional clothing. There's also been a debate in recent years, uh, especially under Trump, about, you know, what's the right kind of immigrant? You know, why don't we have better educated immigrants coming over. A lot of Somali Americans or Somali refugees understandably came without much education and had higher poverty rates and higher unemployment rates. And it takes time to sort of build a life here. But that that is part of why they have become a lightning rod. Just stepping back, you know, we at the peak of this in the early to mid 2000s, I think we were seeing about 3,600 people coming in and, you know, those numbers fluctuate. But how has that changed? Because, I mean, you know, policies have changed and the number of uh, Somali refugees coming in has changed as well, right? Right. The number has really dropped dramatically. And last year in 2018, when we had 663 refugees in Minnesota, just 48 were from Somalia. These are new refugees. New refugees. They've usually been the largest group, but uh, they were surpassed by other groups last year. We had 76 Congolese refugees, 75 Ethiopian refugees, uh, even 318 from Burma. And this is all a really big change, even just from 2016 alone, when we had 1,410 refugees from Somalia, which was about a third of the refugees overall. So that's just really shifted dramatically as a result of the fact that the overall the White House has just lowered the number of refugees we're admitting. And then, you know, there's uh, restrictions on you know, Muslims, uh, people from certain Muslim countries as well. Well, thank you very much, Maya. Maya Rao, our race and immigration reporter. Thanks for tuning in for Curious Minnesota. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.